This is Nicole Toma. You're listening to Theatrics, brought to you by the Bard in your very own backyard. Like, I mean, he just has yeah. a, a little bit of danger about him, and I think that that makes him a really compelling choice for that, right. that role. We call it the wooing scene, jokingly. There's actually quite a bit of stage combat in it. Um, wooden? I would like it to be the prosthetic toe yeah. anniversary. Yeah, it's the cotton bandage anniversary. Yeah. I remember yeah. doing that wooing scene a million years ago when I could pass off as a king. That was a while ago. Oh, I but... thought you were Petruchio. Maggie? Anna? You're here, but you have a strangely bandaged foot. Oh, I'm in so much pain, you guys. It's not even funny. How did this? How does this keep happening? What What have you done? <sighs> Last time we talked about the injuries you inflicted on others. Is this like that energy coming? I back literally at you? can't be trusted to do anything. I went to get the mail, y'all. <laughs> I went to get the mail, but I was in a good mood because I was thinking about this movie that I wanted to watch. Perhaps you've heard of it. Heard of it? Rex Harrison does Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was like, I'm going to put that on my next fix cue. And okay. I was dancing, and I was okay. swirling, and I was singing, and then I kicked my entire toe off. Oh, oh. Yeah, oh. so musical theater kills people. It oh, kills. Because it kills. you were thinking of Rex Harrison well, and getting was, mail at the I same was, time. I was dancing and getting yeah. mail and yeah. oh. singing. Oh. And, and, and so many so toe injuries happen that there's way. There's a big chunk of my toe oh. DNA just hanging out. Next to the mailbox. And you can't wear attractive footwear forever. I can't because I can't wear regular shoes because my mm-hmm. toe shows. Mm-hmm. But if I wear constrictive shoes, then it, it constricts and it, it's, uh, it's so just, it's horrible. It looks, this, it looks like a, this, like a half uh, necrotted uh, chode. Oh. I'm so sorry. Is it, did you go to the doctor? Did they give you Girl, shots or something? What do I look like? Hell no. I poured some Everclear uh, on it and then like wrapped some cotton on it and no, called no, it no, a no. day. What if, what if you have gangrene right now and we can't see under the layers of I feel like it would skin. be, I feel like it would be green if I had gangrene. I don't know if that's normal. right now. It's just black. Oh, black. Yeah, oh, and it looks like I'm wearing red nail polish, but no. only because only oh. because the entire nail is gone. Do you think we have any audience left at this point? Uh, have they probably, made it? Probably the interesting <laughs> ones. Have they made it this far to to know they need to persevere a little longer? <laughs> Who wants to suck on my toes now? Because we have Melissa Marino. And, and Nicole Toma from Shakespeare, Santa Barbara. Okay. I so badly want to say Santa Barbara. Shakespeare. I do too. I, I really do tell too. you how much I, know, I want to say but that. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's Shakespeare, Santa Barbara. And these are two lovely young ladies who have gone away, got their yeah. education, been learning, been pulling in information mm-hmm. and now they're back. And they're going to yeah. put on what, what, Anna thinks is one of the more problematic mm-hmm. of the like, Shakespeare plays. I mean, it's it's either well, we'll talk about this, but it's either a how-to manual on how to oppress and and destroy and and brainwash women, <laughs> just straight up misogynistic two hours, or, or it's really it's a, clever. It's a fun romp. It's a theatrical romp. Well, and, and we're no, they've see. cleverized it. They've definitely yeah. cleverized they it. They are two young feminists yes. who have really taken a very smart, clever point of view yes. on this show. Yes. And um, I'm excited. It's going to run this weekend, which is the 18th and the 19th, right. Saturday and Sunday, 2 p.m. Manning Park. Manning Park. Lower Manning Park. Bring a blanket. Bring some booze. 
bring bring popcorn or you know a whole like three course me you know five courses bring go ahead yeah absolutely it's, it's, i mean it's you a could, two hour play. i would like to see someone roasting a goose and they're taking what is the entrance payment the entrance payment is what you what you will what you will pay so what you be will. generous if you're out there and you have money be generous and um if and you don't show. have money then then share some of your roasted goose yeah because we'll be we'll be there we'll be there all right Let's do it. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Anna. Guess who we've got? Who do we got? We have Melissa Marino. And? And Nicole Toma from Santa Barbara Shakespeare. I'm excited. And they're here to talk about um, Taming of the Shrew. Which is coming up this weekend. And if you were Lear skeptical... I can be a little true skeptical. That's fair. Why don't you introduce your lovely selves? Hi, I am Melissa Marino. I am the producer of our show, Taming of the Shrew. Hi, I'm Nicole Toma. I am the director of our lovely little Shakespearean escapade. So welcome, Melissa and Nicole. Thank you for coming. We just saw Melissa in the Rocky Rocky Horror Horror Show show as the usherette. The delicious usherette. Yeah, she was good. She was fun. (laughs) Thanks. And actually, I was thinking uh, I want to talk about Taming the Shrew. And one thing I thought about today was how Rocky Horror Picture Show is introduced and sort of bookended by your character, or the character you played, who sings the opening song. And that really frames this that story mm-hmm. as a movie, you know, that we're all watching. Mm-hmm. So right. the audience is hyper-conscious of this kind of the manufactured nature of this story we're watching and then in taming of the shrew um several hundred years before (laughs) shakespeare gave a similar framing to his Mm -hmm. piece where the taming of the shrew is a play that that this guy is watching with these other guys Mm -hmm. and i wondered if you kept that convention we didn't uh i decided not to keep the framing device it is and it's actually very common in, to cut in, to cut because yeah. it's it's really interesting because it is so prevalent it's actually a really long um prologue it's like an entire right. it's it's almost as long as the the not quite as long as the second act which wow. is all one long scene wow but yeah it's it's pretty long and then it it pops up in another very small part where they kind of revisit it and then it never comes up again right mm-hmm. in the rest of the play and so um you know, based on the casting and things yeah. we had available and like the amount we were trying to keep it down. Originally, our goal was, you know, 90 minutes. Mm. So it's going to be, it's going to run about two. But yeah, so it was another, it was a time cut. And then, oh, sure. yeah, and it's, um, I actually did a lot of research on it because I thought, you know, if I was going to keep it, how could I keep it? And it's really, it is really difficult to keep it. Um, yeah. yeah. When, you know, depending on what you're trying to do with the play. Right. So. Yeah. I, I did a version in college where we kept that mm. um, the slide at the beginning, yeah. and it it worked really well for our pr- that production because we literally moved the audience when they changed scenes. So oh. he kind of served as like a shepherd for okay. the audience. He had this beginning scene, and then we kind of added a, a couple of inserts where he would guide them through. Yeah. He had that one little spot where he came out, and the rest of the show he served as like a mm-hmm. as a guide for the mm-hmm. audience. So it helped them in that way. So. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like interactive theater. Yeah. 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 And I, I, there was a production that was done recently where they actually utilized it, but it was a very modernized production. And I mm-hmm. apparently it was a great success. Like the frame, nobody had ever seen the framing device done in such a way that um, 
worked. That worked. Yeah, yeah. So well. So I mean, if I were to do it again, I'd certainly I think that would be a nice challenge. To kind of How play did with the it. what what did that look like? That framing that you were talking about that worked really well. Uh, let me see if I can remember. I don't want to do any. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to quote, imagine a scenario. Quote, yeah, it, it was a, a, a very feminist take on the play. Yeah. And so Sly was played as a heckler and mm. kind of like this misogynist and uh, all the supporting characters in in the framing device in the, in the prologue were women and they kind of shut him up and put him in his place. Oh, and so uh, the person, this review that I was reading, was really jazzed about it. It's so great and modern. And I think, yeah, and I, I thought it was really, it was mm-hmm. refreshing. It was a mm-hmm. really refreshing take. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, but they kind of really turned it on its head to make it work for a modern audience. So. Sure. Well, I'm glad you yeah. mentioned the F word because <laughs> I think that's the you know, F when, word. When I think of why, you know, problematic Shakespeare texts, this one is so interestingly problematic because mm-hmm. really there's no critical consensus on whether it's a just straight up misogynist like taming the shrew you know (laughs) or if there's quotes around some of those words or Mm -hmm. you know what's you know how um you know they're either they're the people who i'm sure you know kind of uh say no yeah it's just straight up sexist it's just and then the people say you know i think he's being kind of ironic here and Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. me that's why that framing device is important because it um if if you want to make it Mm -hmm. a a, if your belief is that it's kind of a not a feminist text it could never be a feminist text but it's like trying to make a statement with it it's it's easier at least a little aware of of its and making even maybe making fun of certain gender codes Mm -hmm. well and it's interesting that you bring this up because i had some similar thoughts when we first were talking about doing a show when i was first deciding what kind of show i wanted to do and um i approached had approached nicole about directing the piece and I had a few different ideas and she said, well, how about Taming of the Shrew? And I said, well, you know, like I've been in a production, I've seen one, I've never really seen one super professionally, not professionally, but successfully done in that way. Mm -hmm. And Nicole came back with a lot of different ideas and ways she had of doing it and ideas she had about the show and she was really passionate about it. So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's do Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. So what are, yeah, what are Tell us about that. Tell us about that. What does that look like? Well, um, I myself am a feminist, so I, I thought, you know, I, re- I never really liked the play. I mean, I, I always loved the Kate and Petruchio wooing scene because mm. it was one of my first major introductions into sh- seeing Shakespeare performed. And so I always kind of liked that scene, but I didn't really care for the rest of the play. And I saw, um, it's on YouTube, actually, if you want to watch it. There's a, it's Kiss Me Petruchio. It's a, a documentary that they did when Meryl Streep and Ralph Julia did Taming of the Shrew, directed by Joseph Papp at the mm-hmm. Delacorte Theater in New York. And it's a really interesting exploration of how he kind of took that story and made it more of a love story and not mm-hmm. so much of a, you know, Petruchio is a misogynistic, you know. Yeah, pig. Dork. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't know if I can use language on here. <laughs> um, Please do. Yeah, misogynistic ass. <laughs> So, um, but I, I really liked it and I, I, I kind of fell in love with the play through that. And then I did a lot more research on, you know, how many other productions had gone this route and what was the opposite play on that. I mean, they did one recently at the Globe where they set it in Ireland kind of during that big rebellion with England and how it was really misogynistic and mm. Kate 
was beaten down and forced into a marriage and it was a very dark take hmm. on it, you know, and um, Royal Shakespeare Company had done like one where it's like... for Ireland in that Yeah, moment, yeah, think. it was um, like a metaphor for that. And then the Royal Ooh. Shakespeare Company did a version where Kate and Petruchio were ver- both incredibly dark and it was mm-hmm. a more uh, battle of the sexes, but they were very evenly matched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me... I see, I see both sides of it. And so I kind of had to try and, and decide which way I wanted to <coughs> kind of play with it this yeah. first time around. Yeah. Uh, and I've never directed Shakespeare before. So mm, <laughs> maybe oh. this was not the easiest play to start with in hindsight. But, yeah, but uh, what would be? I right. Mean, I mean, yeah. any, really? Any, yeah. I mean, any Shakespeare play is going to Shakespeare one acts? No. Right. No. <laughs> Shakespeare bridge. We're, we're just right? going to do, works. everyone's going to do one sonnet and we're yeah. just going to go from there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I decided, you know, I, I could see, I wanted to try and see if I could spin it as more of a love story where Kate and Petruchio are evenly matched and that they're both social pariahs and neither yeah. one of them kind of fit in. And uh, that when they meet, it, it is, they're perfect for each other, but they kind of have to figure out how to be together. Uh, and I talked a lot, I've talked a lot to my leads about this, especially uh, Petromio's son who plays Petruchio, who was mm. really concerned about uh uh, Petruchio being mm-hmm. being too misogynistic and too yeah. kind of you know like an asshat and and you know and so yeah and you know what I we were just I we were rehearsing this past weekend and I got a chance to kind of see the show all the way through and I think that's one thing um, we've done really really well I, I can already tell our relationship between our uh, Petruchio and Kate played by Kelly Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Kelly Whitaker. Um, they have a really great relationship with each other. You can yeah. they really play with that flirting yeah. and that you know she's angry because she's is being forced into a marriage, but then she's so attracted to him that she just you know they they have they struggle with this yeah. and they they're both social outcasts like you said and they're both kind of just struggling to navigate this. You know, he's a hot cast for that. I mean, I think that's Petru- mm-hmm. we're talking about Petromio. Yeah, uh, yeah. Petromio, Petromio, who's yeah. playing yeah. Petruchio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's stuff and like, about it. He, just, he has that sort of I think that he has real magnetism on stage. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's that sort of I mean, he's one of the few people I know in town who really pulls off that sort of like I could be a bad boy yeah. if you right. dig even a little deep. Like I mean, he just has <laughs> yeah. a, a little bit of danger about him and I think that that makes him a really yeah. Good compelling cast. choice for that, right. that role. Well, and it's funny that you say that. Sorry to cut no, you off no, there. No, please. It's, it's funny that you say that because in our the first moment that um, Petruchio sees Kate the way we've done it is, um, without giving too much away, you know uh, Pachomio the way he is and he's so got such a presence and mm-hmm. such a such a strong element about him. And then the minute he sees Kate walk in the room, he kind of does this double take. Ah. And, it's, it, and you see him be so overtaken by Kate and how beautiful she is and he just kind of has this moment of you know um innocence yeah. of right. uh, vulnerability that's the word vulnerability yeah. and it's really sweet you're like you see this contra contradiction well that was really important to me working with the actors is that you know if we were going to go this route we had to find moments we had to use the text to really support the story that we were telling and yeah. so it had to be that Petruchio you know falters when he sees Kate because he comes in just for the money and he's not expecting yeah. mm-hmm. to find the woman that, the love of his life and yet there she is and she's not expecting to find anything so they have this moment where it's just kind of like oh hello 
Yeah. And then right. it, and then it continues, you? you know, and they have this, this constant push and pull through that entire, we call it the wooing scene, jokingly. This is actually quite a bit of stage combat in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they're really going at each other, but there's all these moments of they're fighting and then they've got this moment and they get too close and then they break apart because it's yeah. too much. And, and so, um, yeah, we, we've really tried to find, I think with Petruchio, especially the, his vulnerability and his, humanity in that he 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 falls in love with Kate and he sees that she's she is the way she is because of society and what society is trying to force onto her and that's why she's become this this rage that she has is really just a it's a shield that she's using Mm -hmm. and he and he even says it after Baptista comes in the wooing scene and he says um if she be cursed it is for policy Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so because he can see that it's he can see who she is underneath, mm-hmm. and so he he makes a decision that he's going to try and help her see that who she, you know that she yeah. can be who she is without all this other stuff. And so, but how we had to navigate that with all this kind of awful stuff that he says uh, is that you know he's he's human and he's trying to figure out how to do this, but he also doesn't know what he's doing, and so yeah. he can have these moments where he thinks this is a great idea and it kind of comes out of his mouth, and then he's like, well shit maybe that was not such a great choice but i committed now you know i bought the horse and now i'm gonna ride it Mm. so um yeah so it's you know and finding those moments and then finding those moments with kate where she's you know she's a very bright woman and where she's how when does she catch on and when when does she start to figure it out and you know and they went how did they their relationship you know take all these different steps and so um yeah, it's been – I think that has been the most challenging because they, they have a lot of time together on stage, but these moments where they have these these big earmarks in their relationship kind of happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so – because every the play moves very quickly. And so we kind of have had to t- have a talk where it's like, you know, we, we can take a beat here and we can recognize that this is this is a moment for you guys and then move on, you know, right. because if you don't mark it, you, you miss it. Absolutely. You know, and because it's really, and every time they have one of these moments, except for the wooing scene, there's always somebody else on stage. There's always somebody else kind mm. of pulling focus. Mm. And there's, because it's a comedy, and our supporting cast is wonderful. Um, mm. And, you know, we have the Taylor yeah. scene, or it's, we've got this whole comic scene going on on stage right, and Kate and Petruchio on stage left having their moment. And it's kind of, you know, how to divide that. They're having a very important moment. But this conversation is going on at the same time in the scene. And so mm-hmm. you're just finding how to juggle all of that. <clears throat> yeah, because, you know, Kate and Patricia, those are two characters. And then you've got 14 other people, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. so what are yeah, they doing? Yeah. Right. You know, what, what, what is your theory of kind of the, the world of the play outside of that centering, you know, sort of fraught love relationship? Uh, well, we've, we've kind of, <laughs> when we first talked about where we were going to set the play, it, we, what did say? Um, oh, rent, um, rent boho, rent, boho chic meets rent fair. Yeah, I'm gonna dress for the part. Yes, yeah. please, please do. Please do. Will. I'm wearing a flower festive. crown. It's fine. Yeah, you guys are gonna oh, see I'm my wearing a maxi yeah. dress. Yes, yeah. Coachella realness. You guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So it, Coachella Shakespeare. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. come on down. Uh, That's a really good. That that should be your like hashtag. Well, alcohol is permitted, so you know, you know, everyone's gonna come have fun. Yeah, and so it was really funny. It's ended up being a little bit more renaissance than boho because our our costumer mm-hmm. jenny ernest has been wonderful she ended up having all these pieces and everything got kind of realized in a more 
realistic way than uh-huh. I think anyone was expecting. Okay. Definitely so leaning toward traditional, but yeah, okay. but I mean, there's still a little bit. It is. It leans more towards traditional with a kind of you know a few modern touches thrown in. Um, so it, how I saw it is that you know, so I wanted to kind of keep it in the original kind of time because if we were going to explore this as a kind of a more legitimate love story. We also have to recognize that some of the things they're saying are culturally reflective. You know, the, mm-hmm. the way that they view the husband in the marriage and the way that they view the wife and things like that. And so if, um, without overcomplicating it too much, I thought, you know, if we try, cause we try to throw it into something like the fifties, you yeah. know, or even try yeah. to completely yeah. modernize it, it makes no sense. And it becomes really incendiary if you're trying to mm. do, Mm-hmm. A more realistic love story because mm. nowadays you'd think, w- in what world would that ever would you would, would you yeah. ever be basically sold off for marriage and you could still make that work? But you know, yeah. when you're dealing in this kind of a traditional society where the woman is going to be married off, unfortunately, regardless, right? And Kate is refusing; she rejects this, you know, by all means. And um, Petruchio's way of wooing her, saying, you know, you're going to marry me, but. I love you, and I know mm. that you love me too. So mm-hmm. and in this society where they can be misfits together in that way, where they're forced mm-hmm. to f- prescribe to this, well, we're going to get married, and I'm taking your dowry, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was important to for me that it it kind of worked as its own framing device, that it mm. if you give a little bit of separation for the audience and you say this is not modern day, um, mm-hmm. I think it's there's a little bit more wiggle room yeah. for them to kind mm-hmm. of look at it a little bit more objectively and kind of view it and be able to kind of take apart what's going on in the in the story that we're telling. Yeah. And you know, I I told the cast members, I mean, you know, there are going to be thing there are things that are said in the play that make everybody uncomfortable, and that's okay, you know, because in today's society and especially now with this climate that's that's going on right now and all the conversations that are happening. It is important that it gets talked about. And if people get angry or upset at some of the stuff he's saying, then good for them. You know, let's, let's talk let's, about let's it. Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I also, for this particular go around in this, my, this particular iteration, uh, I didn't want to make a blanket social statement because this is not necessarily, it's certainly not how I view like Kate and Petruchio's relationship is the ideal relationship for everybody. It's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I think that it's, it's Kate, it's Kate and Petruchio's relationship, and it works for them, which well, is important. And I think you put it really well one time when you were talking about it, saying we find this balance between a lighthearted comedy, there's a lot of physicality, Nicole is certified in Dueling Arts International, so we have She's a lot certified. of... Mm-hmm. Yes, certified. <laughs> <laughs> she is certified. I'm officially certified. I took the test and everything. She's- Okay. She got yeah. a license. Professional so, license. I got, I got a, a license to fake kill. License for <laughs> fake fighting, yeah. I got a license to stage kill. I like yeah. it. So you've pulled in quite a bit of that. I mean, I remember yeah. doing that wooing scene, you know, a million years ago when I could pass off as a Kate, right? That was a while ago. Oh, but, I thought you were Petruchio. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> Consider <laughs> that too. We can yeah. that too. I just feel like you're a... Be- <laughs> you could do anything. I could, but yeah. not back then. But anyway. I was imagining you doing both parts. Totally yeah. different characterizations. Oh, yeah, that one yes. woman show. Oh, Paint yes. your face one half, Petruchio one half, Kate. Just turn it. You That's your Halloween costume. You're the creative. Next year, Next year we got a plan. Yeah, but mm-hmm. even then, we did like a bunch of combat-ish type thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Then. Yeah, well, it lends because there's so much verbal sparring in that yeah. scene. It really lends itself yes. to that. I mean, and, and there's only written written specifically in the scene once that she strikes him, and then. 
it's inferred that he has got her kind of immobile because she says, you know, I chafe you if I tear, let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, which you could have many interpretations on. But uh, coming from my stage combat background, I, you know, I love it. I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have, and we didn't, re- we have swords in the show, but we don't actually use them. So everything is really just hand to hand and really mm-hmm. physical. And um, I also brought in a little bit of commedia inspiration yeah. because one mm. of the productions that I really liked was done by uh, ACT in San Francisco. This is like in the 80s, I think. And they did a full on commedia version and they didn't have the masks on the actors, but it was very heightened comedy, yeah. wow. a very physical um and I, I liked some of that. And some of our, uh, a lot of our, actually most of our cast is, um, they're all really, really comedically bent. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them bring a lot of that physicality. And so I didn't expect it to be as physical as it was going to be. Uh, but once we kind of got into rehearsal and just what they were bringing with and what they were playing with, I thought, well, that's great. Let's work on that and let's expand that. And it's mm-hmm. become something yeah, that's really funny. You know, we've even bent lines that aren't even, they're not supposed to be used in a specific way but they work perfectly with what we've done you know we have these wonderful moments between hortensio and gremio who are two of the suitors in the beginning for bianca and uh, how you know gremio is much older and hortensio is this young spry kind of petruchio's best friend Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. they have a lot of this physicality and where he can outpace him physically hortensio can outpace gremio they have this where he's constantly just physically picking on him but it's really fun and lighthearted. and you know he's at one point he kind of uses his line which is just you know he's well i you know if i could he's just kind of mumbling as he's going off stage mm-hmm. about you know all this stuff about if i could find somebody to okay no 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 so i could get bianca and we have uh, hortensio kind of further irks him and he's just come on you know mm-hmm. but in it's written come on 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 the line is that's what it yeah. is but it, i don't think it was intended for that right. maybe but right. you know it's really yeah. funny and i well i think in yeah, particular yes. and that was something that the actors you know, the, in the rehearsal, they were just kind of doing it. And I thought, you know what would be a really great idea? Why don't we try it? <laughs> Everyone was just, I was in stitches. It was just, just been, it's been well, a lot of fun. Well, it's a nice, uh, another layer, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, of distancing the audience from like the problematic aspects of the content is by mm-hmm. having this sort of like heightened mm-hmm. comedy yeah. and yeah, physicality right. because it's, it's, or, yeah, it's, yeah. it's considered, you know, immediately to be out of the realm of like, immediate possibilities so people are more willing to kind of accept Extend, these other right. yeah there's yeah. a lot of play in this yeah. play yeah. you know yeah. for us and, and i told them you know and this started out as a passion project anyway and you know everyone mm. was doing it just for fun anyway and so you I mean you're not you're not making tons of money on this show what? not no, yet no. you know no. surprisingly <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> so, you, know, not. you know if we're gonna give up you know All of months, free times. months of yeah. free time and our months of weekends to kind of put this together then we might as well have fun while we're doing it yeah and uh and so oh, we I do just, have fun. Yeah, oh yeah, really so play I just, you know, encourage they sign them. their waivers. They we yeah. did. They <laughs> did play have them, We did have them sign <laughs> some waivers. I told I told them all up front. So this is going to be, uh, there is going to be some physicality, but we are rehearsing outside, and who knows what can happen? We're in a park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did do it on the up and up. We we asked. At the yeah, we yeah. asked. Would and you they be were cool with this? And then it ended up being almost. I don't think anybody in the play is unscathed in some way mm. physically except <laughs> no i mean they all at some point have pretty physical wow. blocking <laughs> so uh but you know it really works and so well i want to ask you how because you mentioned it's a passion project like how you, this um this particular production came about what the vision of your entire 
company is, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I came back from college in May, fresh off the boat, and I was really <laughs> I was really excited to um, get back into Santa Barbara, check out the theater scene. Um, I am a theater major, so I was a theater major, so I wanted to really get involved, and I started looking at what was being offered and the auditions, and I realized, you know, there's really no Shakespeare in Santa Barbara. And there are companies that will do it. There, are, The university will do it every once in a while. Um, uh, Ensemble did Hamlet a little while back, but nobody was regularly doing Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I think Shakespeare lends itself so well to this town. We have a lot of people who would really enjoy it. We have, um, especially out in an outdoor setting, we have beautiful mm-hmm. weather all year round. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hey, if there's no Shakespeare, let's make some Shakespeare. So that was kind of where I got this idea. And I posted Mm on um, Samantha Eve's theater collaborative page, which Mm -hmm. I think is an amazing page. It's it's a great way to bring to the 21st century. I love it. And so I said, you know, I realized there's no Shakespeare. Who would want to do this with me? And I think as of now, I have over 95 people on my Facebook group page. Nice. So there was obviously a need here. There was a want. People wanted Shakespeare. And so I said, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And I did basically everything via Facebook. For the most part, mm-hmm. contacting people. I had an audition event. I got Nicole on board. Um, How do you know Nicole? Nicole, we actually mm-hmm. worked together at Girls Inc. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Bef- facilitator so there. She now has my previous job as a performing arts facilitator there. facilitator. I gotcha. Uh, and she came in. Uh, Melissa came in over the summer as uh, an assist- one of the facilitators um, when she was on break from Chapman, and so we kind of you know. Kindred spirits. I think mm-hmm. one of the first days she said her your spirit animal was Meryl Streep, and then I was like, oh, okay, we're definitely gonna get along. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so, the connection. Uh, yeah, and we, I mean, we sang a whole new world together. Oh my gosh, it was great. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. So yeah, and so we just kind of, you know, <laughs> kept in touch. She went off to uh, Chapman, and and then I knew that she came back through Facebook, yeah. and that she was interested in doing this Shakespeare thing. I was one of those people that was like, uh, "Yes, please sign oh, me up." Nice. Uh, yeah, and then there was just little did she know she would become the director. Yeah, yeah. that was wow. <laughs> you know it's funny. I tell people you know because you uh, Melissa put this handy little um, poll on the page. It was like of all these different areas, which one would you be willing to kind of help out in? You know. It was, acting you want to act you want to be crew do you want to you know how do you you want to produce you want to direct and i think i checked every box except producing directing (laughs) (laughs) well because and i had actually (laughs) i had actually um i did a play that i self-produced and then starred in i didn't direct uh but i i did it earlier this year in february with uh in partnership with dos pueblos uh theater company and so i was like it and it's you know i've been there it's producing is hard and I we didn't have yeah. a stage manager either and it oh, was a man. legitimate production. Yeah. We did proof and we had an actual physical set and I mean if it hadn't been for the DP people, I mean we would have had a tough time. I mean they helped mm-hmm. us with lighting and sound and we had some student volunteers that helped with um, crew. Nice. But yeah, and it, it was it I mean Beautiful. it kind of wiped me out, you know, and so I was like, I just I think I'm gonna take a break from the production side of it. I mean I really enjoy it, but I certainly wasn't looking to you know, direct Shakespeare. And I hadn't wow. really directed a full-fledged, like, dramatic piece uh, since junior college. You know, in my yeah. CC in Texas, I was basically, I was the AD for We Did Too Much Memory, which is a modern retelling of Antigone. Hmm. Um, mm. I basically ended up being the director for that because our director just kind of would peace out during rehearsals. He was like, watch it, give him notes. Oh, <laughs> All right, great, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. I mean, I did interview for the AD spot, so I guess in that, you know, and then I did, you know, and then I was directing children at Girls Inc. And so I oh, hadn't yeah. really done anything that was So kind you were of, really 
after directing Children of Girls Inc., that really preps you to do Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, basically, absolutely. yes. That's I mean, career path. I mean, if yeah. you can there deal with children, <laughs> that's you can true. certainly deal well, with actors. You know what? That is true. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like herding cats. The yeah. kids are Which more one? like kittens. <laughs> yeah. And the the adult actors are yeah. more like alley cats. Yeah. Ah, very good. Yeah. So yeah. actors, the, we love you. We don't think we you're all do. Cats. I love all of you. <laughs> well, and hey, when I actors, <laughs> I think every one of you is an alley cat. Speak for yourself, <laughs> and I don't. But it's, I totally <laughs> I get it. Too much love. When I'm in a big cast too, as an actor, I mean, every it's just it's just the cast kind of mentality and energy you get kind of swept up into being that squirrely, you know, because you're you're having fun. You know, sure. it's what you want to do. So. Um, it's just it's hard. It is challenging to be the person that kind of has to rally. And then the producer comes. Yeah, be. we need somebody to do it's the slave, the slave driver whip. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> Melissa, because I know you as an actor, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my memory of you. I and I guess I should say that you went to high school with my stepdaughter Julia, and yes. you did quite a bit of theater with her as yes. well. In addition to like projects, you would film here right in the. <clears throat> podcast studio right? yes oh yes back in the day beautiful music videos oh yes <laughs> music video. we're gonna repost those on uh aren't we david yeah i think julia those. deleted them deleted oh. them in good taste <laughs> <laughs> good call julia keep your fingers back us. those up at some point <laughs> oh no they're still in the cloud in the somewhere, yeah. somewhere. Oh, i would believe it <laughs> all right we may not do that but um <laughs> we may not so I do think that. of you as an actor and I and of course you directed over the summer I know that you did Sweeney Todd and all that but um and then you were just the usherette so what made you shift focus from acting to producing um well first I think it was just because you know we wanted to make some Shakespeare happen in Santa Barbara and I was willing to take on that project and start it and make it happen. Um, I have some sort of directing slash producing experience, you know, with showstoppers every year. I'm the vocal director, but I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of stuff that needs to get done. I run mics and all kinds of things. And, and so I didn't feel totally unprepared. Um, at first I, one of the things I originally considered was also acting in the production. Mm -hmm. I would love to have acted in Shakespeare, but I realized that it, it was really important to just take a step back and make sure that this production oh, happened and could okay. go through. I, I also didn't want to fall into that cliche of like creating a company and then starring and then all of the roles as myself, yeah. which for some people works amazingly. And that's great if, if that's what you want to do. But I, one mm. of my goals for the project was to have a really... For some people, <laughs> that works amazingly. Hashtag cocaine. <laughs> Let's be real. Like I it's mean, a hard yeah. thing to do. It's, it's an impossible, incredibly thing to difficult. Do. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it was going to be. It was already <laughs> difficult enough trying to gather all this together. Yeah. And one of my goals for the project was really is still to make it a collaborative environment. So from day one, it was who wants to be involved in putting this on. Let's ask for your opinions. What do you want to do? How can you help? Like what do you want to do? Yeah. And for auditions, we had real auditions we had everybody come out we wasn't you know let's get our friends together mm-hmm. and do the show like i spent too many hours researching <laughs> on facebook looking up who had been in what recent productions in town messaging them personally saying hey we're doing the show like con- reaching their friends who maybe knew somebody who would want to be a part of the show mm-hmm. we had to have second round of auditions because we didn't oh, yeah. find necessarily the right men we needed but we weren't mm-hmm. going to say we'll just take somebody because we know right. them or because you know, yeah, we've sure heard is. of them before. We wanted to keep it a really collaborative 
process for everybody involved. So mm-hmm. who else? Tell us about the rest of the cast because it's a big cast. Mm-hmm. Give us some because I'm sure that we know. Yeah, we know. Like probably oh, sure. most yeah. and or all of them. A lot of the actors have actually Nine been involved uh, through the theater group. So okay. um, most recently, see, we have we also when we were doing casting, I really uh, somehow we got actually some people to come to the audition as they were. We had feedback there. Oh, well, there aren't any parts for me in this play. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We will. I said, we're doing open Mm -hmm. casting. I said, we kind of, you know, I said, at at the point where we were casting the play, I wasn't entirely set on typical gender roles, you know, even Mm -hmm. with Kate and Petruchius. I'm not quite sure what I want to do because I don't know who's going to come out, uh, which, you know, until I see everybody, that's going to kind of help inform my decision on where the show's going to go. And so... um, Obviously, in the original cast list, the play is predominantly men. Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, okay. Men. <laughs> men. No, no. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> and give some more females some voices yeah. here. <laughs> and so we, we changed over. Baptista, we have a wonderful actress, Victoria Charters, who is a professional oh, actor. She's done perfect. a lot of film. and te- She actually just filled in at Ensemble for uh, Husbands and Wives. She They had a kind of... Uh, potential cast crisis somebody had a family emergency and she got pulled in at the very last minute to be an understudy she wasn't sure if she was going to go on and um she had to learn the entire play that's like three weeks she messaged me and she was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i can't be at rehearsals for this week because this crazy thing happened i was like you know it's fine we'll work around it uh but we we, after seeing her uh, i said well let's make baptista mother you know Mm, it's really which kind of also um which we've able we've been able to kind of uh, develop some really interesting backstory for um, the Baptista, Katarina, Bianca yeah. kind of triangulate mm-hmm. and, yeah, and what, what's yeah. going on there. That's well, interesting. Touching on that, I think it adds a little bit more complexity because it's less like my father is literally selling me off right. to mm-hmm. the highest bidder. Exactly. You know, the way I remember hearing you talk about it, Nicole, was that, you know, she, Baptista, sees herself in Kate mm-hmm. and is just mm-hmm. so stricken as what to do with right. this daughter who is unruly and, and can't be tamed by you know, the norms yeah. of what we have in this society. And she yeah. does a good job. Yeah. It's kind of that hearkening back to, you know, when people say, oh, just you wait, you'll have a child just like you as payback. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's right. kind of one of those things that everyone kind of recognizes is that, yeah, that Kate is kind of exactly like her. But it's yeah. nice. It's nice that this has been changed from, as you said, like a patriarchal figure sort yeah. of taking daughters and using them in right. trade, right. you know, for business, whatever, or, you know, social, right. whatever. And, and, and turning it into a situation in which a mother is like, look, I want the best for you. And based on my experience, you know, maybe this right. is the way to go. You know, it's kind and of this a, is what I'm supposed yeah, to do. Yeah. This what? is what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to, to, you know what I mean? And yeah. so it makes it a little bit more empathetic. Yeah. It's like sure. when a mother sends their kid to, you know, gr- uh, manor school and yeah. it's like, well, because that's what I did and it's what we're supposed this to do. This is good yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 You know, right now, this is what I can offer you. This is going to be the best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she even has, cause we had, she has lines in the play where she actually, when Baptiste is actually talking to Petruchio about Kate in the beginning before Petruchio even meets her, he's like, well, okay, great. So if we can agree on the dowry, like, is everything kosher? And she's basically like, um, sure, once you obtain her love for uh, that's yeah. all in all. And, and so I thought I talked to Victoria about that. I said, you know, it's really interesting that you insist that he, she has to fall in love with him, that that has to be there mm-hmm. before yeah. she's, she agrees to marry her. Uh, and Bianca, it's a little bit different because all these suitors, she kind of has yeah. a pick of suitors. And but then, it's yeah. like she's not just giving Kate away to the first eligible man. She's, she's also kind of like, you know, you're not going to be able to handle her. 
Yeah. But yeah. if you can obtain her love, then sure, go for it, man. Yeah, and our Bianca does a really good job of that. That's Danica. Um, yeah. She yeah. she does a really good job of kind of playing that little um, devious younger sister mm, who's, yeah. you know, taking turns and with whoever she likes. Right. Our Hortensio, um, that's Michael Wiggins. He's mm. hilarious. He's so funny. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. He brings a nice sprightly yeah. energy. This and we've really got like pretty. a wide range of casts, which we love. Like we have Stuart Ornstein, who's playing... Um, Vincenzo, yeah, and then we have that's all good. the way that's down good. to um, Lucentio, who's being played by Will Gear. He's a freshman at San Arbor City College, and he oh, gives perfect. off this very cute, innocent like I'm, I'm yeah. going young, for the girl, young I'm lover, do kind yeah. of almost young lover. Romeo esque, or kind of more like Romeo slash Benvolio type of cute. persona. And then we've got uh, the lovely Anna Moore, who's our Grumio, who oh, also is hilarious, Petruchio's uh, technically uh, servant, but we've right. developed their backstory in such a way that they're actually more of like brother and sister because it, it, there's support in the text that says they've actually been raised with each other mm-hmm. uh, and so they have a brotherly sisterly thing and Hortensio's in on that so they're kind of like the three musketeers mm-hmm. and so even though she is a servant he really gives her a lot of there's a lot of freedom and there's yeah. it's never really oh she's clearly the servant mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's just kind it's, of like that brother sister I, I recall I hate you, I love that you. the master servant interplay in general is, is kicked all over yeah. the place there's a lot not just referencing comedia i mean not right. uniquely doing that but but just kind of the idea of you know who's the boss of whom mm-hmm. and how they're oh, yeah. navigating tranio is the servant tranio played by jenny Ernest is the servant to Lucentio mm-hmm. and yeah. Biondello is Tranio's servant. And so right. when there's this there's a hierarchy. bureaucracy right. happening, right. you know, but yeah, but we've never, we haven't really played those up so strongly that it's so clear mm-hmm. that that's what's going on. Cause for me, I'm like, I just, you know, it's not, it's not so much servant as it is kind of like, yeah, maybe they're your boss in a way. Like you work for them. You, mm-hmm. you're more of, it's like more of an employer kind of thing, but a lot of right. them have, really close relationships because like even uh, Tranio and Lucentio have been raised together. You know, it's like they're all kind of around the same age. And so there's, you know, it kind of is more, it's more of a household than a, and a, you know, and a really sort of modern theory is that all, all, all servants are really the people with the power. And right. the, the masters are always the people who need the other to get right. by. Exactly. Yes. And you know what, what I thought was interesting in that? Uh, we that did shows talk itself in this play if you want yeah, to Yeah. Well, because we actually, all of the, all of the supporting characters in our play are actually women. And so it's, it's really great to see that kind of, that they are really the brains behind yeah. most mm-hmm. of the operations that happen in the play. Tranio is the one that kind of comes up with the, the plan for Lucentio to woo uh, Bianca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Grumio is the, it's, she's really loyal and, but she gives him a hard time. She kind of keeps Petruchio in his place. Mm. And so mm. there are all these kind of, you know, different, yeah. different relationship and kind I of think things. It's, I think it's really interesting when you that you say that now that I'm thinking about it that they're all all of our supporting characters are women and you see this really interesting that a lot of us this dynamic that a lot of us as women we deal with on a regular basis in real life where we're saying you know we we know what's going on we see what's happening but when you say this it's like okay we're gonna we're just gonna roll with the punches yeah. and um we we know the truth and we know what's actually happening and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um we're gonna let lucentio thinks that think that he's the brains of this operation yeah well it's, it's something we i was even talking to um kelly whitaker about we were talking about a specific part in the play and i said you know it's really kind of like that old trope that's kind of like the woman is the the 
the or the man is the head and the woman is the neck that controls it. It's like you, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> yep. where it's, you know, I don't know. I've had so many people tell me, you know, in relationships, it's like sometimes you have to make the other person think it's their idea. But it's, but how do you do that in a way that it's like you're, it's it there and there's power in that and in, in yeah. the in the intellect and mm-hmm. to manipulate in a subtle way that it's like I'm going to make you think it's your idea, but it's really mine. It's really mine. That's an interesting idea. Just as we talk about sort of bringing the uh, current tropes of feminism and mm-hmm. et cetera, social movements into these plays that are, you yeah. know, admittedly hundreds of years old yeah. and, yeah. and finding those moments. And it's interesting to know that there still is that idea that the strength comes from like the quiet manipulation. Like I'm wondering, yeah, it's still clearly a thing and it's still clearly important and cogent and audiences relate to it. Yeah. But I do think that like we're kind of maybe coming up against the point when, yeah. when that's going to stop working. If that yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. And to and you, I, it makes sense to me. Like, look at this sort of dam breaking with all these sexual right. harassment claims mm-hmm. and, you know, people just are sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm done pretending I can put up with you or that you're okay. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's going to be a, you know, kind of a a slower transition, you know, I mean, I think that what you guys are doing is still totally cogent now and it works and it's going to work for the audience. But I do think it's an interesting point to bring up that like we've had this evolution to this point where we're finding the power in the manipulation. And I think that I hope that soon we'll just find the power in the honest conversation. Well, and it's interesting because... No, Kate, um, Kate is sort of like that in this play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kate is the one who's like, no, fuck you all. I'm not going to play into this. I'm yeah. not going to, yeah. I'm not going to lay down and pretend I like you when I really don't. And that's what Petruchio falls for. Petruchio mm-hmm. says, this is incredibly sexy. A woman who, who mm-hmm. rejects all of these things mm-hmm. and is willing to fight. She will, it's incredible. You keep saying to yourself, Kate, why don't you just say, okay. And she, mm-hmm. she never does. She hardly ever does until she has the moment where she really agrees to work on the relationship together. Mm-hmm. But even, even things that feel silly, she just refuses because she's so sure of doing things the way she does them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's it, also, can I just say, oh, it's cool. also like that part where he makes it, it's also like complete brainwashing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, if you, if you were going to read like the, the how to manual on brainwashing somebody, it, you could be just reading this play and going like, okay, say it's the sun. No, no, I want you to say it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, we, okay. Yeah. And so yeah, that was, that was important to me that I, I, <laughs> really didn't want it to come across like that because yeah. yeah I think and that is one of the big complaints in that is like oh she's getting brainwashed and she's or she gives up you know she she breaks her and, breaks mm. yes. and and I thought no and you know going back to the text I thought you know I don't think he does because she remains she remains spunky throughout and he even says at the beginning one of the things he's most attracted to in Kate this is before he even meets her is how spirited she is and so I think it would be kind of counterintuitive if he says that he's so excited by that and then turns around and breaks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, well, no, I, I, I think that that's what he likes most. And so how we've kind of spun it is that he's – some of this is – he's he's really grandstanding. He's he's a, you know, he's a ringmaster in a way and he has yeah. a very specific way of being in public where he's – it's a little bit – it's a smidge obvious that it's kind of an act but subtle enough that most people aren't going to catch on. Uh, and so it, it's a game. And so he's encouraging Kate to play the game mm-hmm. without yeah. 
without sacrificing who she is because mm. you know after they that and that was a scene where we've had a lot of difficulty with because there's a lot that happens in a very short amount of time yeah it's like 10 lines the whole scene yeah until she yeah and so we were having a conversation of you know how do we make this work that yes you're exasperated but how do we play this in such a way that this fine fine it's the sun whatever you want to be it is can we just go right because that does a good job he has this moment where he's like really you're gonna say it's the sun with me oh yes yeah and so yeah and so we had this conversation about uh it was really important for me and not just for Kate, but for all the women in the play to show different portraits of, of feminine power and whether that's in the manipulation or that's in being able to be physical and fight back, which Kate does, which Grumio does. I mean, they give it, they take it as much as they give it, mm-hmm. you know. Grumio and Petruchio tackle each other at one point in the play, you know, mm-hmm. and she, she doesn't just take it. She comes right back and she, you know, hits him, she hits him, you know, mm-hmm. fist well, and, for fist. You know, like we've said before, there, it's definitely, there's definitely like some problems, um, with, with the show mm-hmm. in, in inherently, you know, yeah. regardless of how much you love somebody, you know, we've chosen to take the interpretation that he loves her and then yeah. he's trying to get, her to love him back but regardless of that you don't starve somebody i mean regardless right. of who you that's are the wrong. idea of, of not giving yeah. somebody food yeah like <laughs> yeah, i could not right. go more than four hours no. without eating i yeah, can't that's imagine a problem a night right and he, <laughs> yeah get around that the way, and, and the way we've kind of addressed it is he starves himself as well he says we're doing this together ah, okay. you're okay we're, mm. we're you're not gonna eat i'm not gonna eat until we solve this together as a couple yeah. you're not gonna sleep i'm not gonna sleep because there's a he has this monologue after he says this have i politically begun my reign and he, he basically lays out for the audience, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And so we've worked on this recently where it's kind of, you know, he, of this breaking of, he's got this personal persona that when he comes home, even his servants are surprised by how awful he's being because this is not how he normally is mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when Grumia first comes in, she's trying to tell Curtis, like, he's crazy. And she's like, you're joking. She's no, I'm not. I'm really not. And, right. And so when he comes in and the servants yeah, are just taken aback and they're performance. Right. And yeah. so when he comes back and he's alone, you know, Chomio does a really great job of he has this moment where he kind of breaks and you see the vulnerability and he's exhausted because he's tired. He hasn't eaten. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of That's imagery to, to falconry in, in that particular monologue, mm-hmm. which falconry is, if you go back into it, it's, you know, when they're, when they're training the bird to, to, to partner with whatever handler. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a training process. And so they do deprive them of meat and sleep, but everything that they do to the bird, they go through with it. So they don't eat. So they sit out in the forest with the bird and don't mm. eat. Really? They don't sleep because they have to be vigilant in watching the hawk. Hmm. And so it's, it's everything that she goes through, he goes through. And mm-hmm. we even have a nice moment mm-hmm. where there's still kind of food scattered around from his temper tantrum. And he, he, he thinks about eating it and he remembers she hasn't eaten. And so he throws it away. Um, you know, and I'm not, you know, and that's still not, it's not a perfect, it's still not great, you know, and that's what we were saying, you know, he's, he's <laughs> their, their relationship is messed up. Right. Sure. Like, you know, he's I mean, human and he's trying to figure out how to make this work and he's not perfect yeah. and he's going to make mistakes and there are going to be some things where it's like, dude, maybe not the greatest choice. So um, <laughs> it sounds like what you guys have done with this is you have really taken huge pains and done a lot of research to bring it to a place that is accessible to mm-hmm. a modern mm-hmm. a modern mm-hmm. sense of social yeah. structure. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to do a shoe, you kind of have to try. So yeah. my question with that is, 
That's a lot of work. And yes, ma'am. <laughs> what what so is much. it about what is it about Shakespeare mm. and your import the importance that you guys have to bring Shakespeare to Santa Barbara that that inspires you to do that amount of work when you could do, for instance, like a modern play that tells maybe a similar story, but in a, a more way. obvious, easier, a more way. easily accessible, readily accessible. Yes. Yeah. Way. What's the yeah. Um, I just think that there's something incredibly timeless in general about Shakespeare. We talk about th- these these problems that are present within the dialogue, within the text, and within certain plot points. And Shakespeare is arguably one of the worst in that sense, in terms of things that don't necessarily read to a modern audience. But there are still kernels of truth. I mean, even in this play, you see the kernels of of marred relationship a relationship that has ups and downs and two strange people falling in love together that i think a lot of audience members can relate to and there's such a beautiful poetry to shakespeare's text that is ubiquitous and timeless i mean he speaks to universal truths that resonate with us and i think it's incredible that you know with dialogue that on some levels feels so archaic that if told correctly by the the actors Mm -hmm. and by the director is able to resonate with people in a sense of poetry i mean classically Romeo's monologue. It's 400 years old, but when you see it done well, you feel him painting the beauty of this lusty, enamored mm-hmm. teenager who just is so completely starstruck by Juliet. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we he feel that as audience members, even mm-hmm. though the text is over 400 years old. And I think there are not really, I've yet to see any modern texts that can do that in the same way, with the same yeah. level of poetry and lyricism and rhythm in, written in, integrally into the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would agree with all of that. And I think I, you know, having studied a lot of Shakespeare, it's – I fell in love with – I mean, the poetry, I think, is honest, obviously the, the first big kind yes, of – Yes, I'm obviously a Shakespeare kind of fanatic love, if you haven't you know, seen. Thank you, yeah. my Professor Tom Braddock. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, my first introduction <laughs> to Shakespeare was Romeo and Juliet in ninth grade and I even before that was when I was awfully shy and I wanted to be an actor desperately but I was way I just couldn't do it I got sick somebody said audition and I was like no I'd rather go throw myself off a cliff thank you (laughs) Uh, but I I actually memorized Romeo's monologue just because I loved it so much I mean just just because it just struck a chord and I used to my best friend at the time would I'd start oh what's soft what light three under window break shut up Nicole Uh, shut up stop it (laughs) you know I feel like we've all done that as theater people we've all had a moment where our friends are like you need to stop yeah so (laughs) I was a theater person before I knew I was a theater person uh and then it was really really unlocked for me in college when I was able to study it in a more performative performative text. Mm-hmm. And I also took English classes on, you know, what does all that symbolism mean? And then I did a, I did British American Drama Academy. I went over the summer after I graduated and did the Shakespeare, the Midsummer in Oxford program, which mm-hmm. is a Shakespeare centered conservatory. Uh, and so we have worked with, you know, faculty from Yale and Juilliard and all these great programs that just kind of unlock so how to really do Shakespeare. it's serendipitous that you guys met each other then. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. We, we, it's remarkable actually that we get along quite well, both professionally and as friends. I mean, yeah. we have this kind of short experience working at Girls Link together. And since we've been thrown into yeah. this project together, we both yeah. have this love and it's, Working out great. Well, we should get yeah. to the nitty gritty of yeah, where, tell us when, where, who, how, when, when, why. Who do we give our money to? <laughs> Me. Please write a personal check to I'm in the amount of. Actually, you know what? Just leave a blank. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fill it out for you. Uh, um, it's eight November eighteenth and nineteenth. That's this next Saturday and Sunday. 
At 2 p.m., it's going to be at Lower Manning Park. So you're going to turn into the park on the left hand if you're coming from the freeway on San Ysidro. You go all the way down the paved road until the paved road ends. There's a little parking lot with a park, and we are right there. We're going to be doing this pay as you will. So just we accept any donations you feel are reasonable for our show. And bring a picnic, bring yummy snacks, bring a blanket, bring your favorite alcohol, um, and have a good to be time. Entertained, prepare Not yourself. To give away too much, oh, well. but you know just, it's funny. It's 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 an it's interactive funny. show. It's, it's always a good guys. comedy and a comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. interactive. Yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She's threatening. Uh-oh. To me, I oh think. no. <laughs> Are you going to oh, no. sit in the front? No, not. Now that we know you that just- there's going to be people talking <laughs> at us, we're not. We're going to sit in the back. But we'll say it's tastefully done. I'm not going to tell you where to sit because it's, uh, I don't know. I don't. Is there any It may safe be tastefully spot? done. We cannot promise tasteful responses. That's, that's all okay. Our, that's all we're throwing out there. That's okay. Our okay. actors are, are great. They'll can, roll with can it. Can we throw toast at this show too or was that just for the last show? I mean, I feel like she was but, in the last show. Please no toast. Please no toast. No toast. No toilet papers. No water guns. Oh, okay. That's really things. just because we are I a prop free. The, the park really is, is very, <laughs> it's a very beautiful park and they have very strict rules as uh-huh. to what is allowed. So if you were to throw toast, <laughs> we would have to clean it I don't up think for anyone you. who's listening to this podcast is actually going to throw toast at your actors. Just but Anna. Maybe. Just, just me. Anna. That was just a thing that I have. <laughs> I just really like toast. You I know, just toast. Really like toast. My figure actors like it too. It's they must, you know, definitely <laughs> throw some for, you know, just okay. go for it. So, it's really a show of appreciation. Yeah, right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Yeah. Really thanks for having it. us. I'm looking forward thanks. to the show. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're looking forward to it too. <laughs> the actors are are gearing up, so. Fantastic. Get ready. Well, we'll have the information on Taming of the Shrew on our website, Theatrics SB, so check it out. Happy 10. Thank you, Maggie. What is 10? Is 10 like the golden or the silver or the... Um, wooden. I would like it to be the prosthetic toe anniversary. It's it's the cotton bandage anniversary. Yeah. Do you know, um, well, well, I I forgot to give you anything, but I mean, I want you You to know... You gave me two bourbon beverages. Oh, that's true. That's true. Both of which are delicious. It's the bourbon-versary. It's the (laughs) bourbon-versary. What do we have? We had a man of war and we had a chocolate. What is that what, thing called? It was called a revolver. A revolver. And it had um, coffee liqueur. Yeah. Um, so it was our 10th episode today. 10th episode. And that means that David Paris has listened to us 10 times. <laughs> and <laughs> that's funny. Is that really funny? <laughs> yeah, it is. And <laughs> thank you, David we, Paris, for and, listening to us 10 times. And we've had the wonderful music of Miles Austin. Absolutely. That's, He's um, an intense genius. One more podcast than Toes that you have. God damn it. I'm sorry. <sighs> I blame Rex. <laughs> I blame Rex Harrison. I, I mean, I would. How can you not? You, you had, what's sad to think about is that you had all this joy going to your mailbox thinking about it. And then <laughs> literally I was, <laughs> the song I was singing was like, if you remain out in the rain, you think you're drinking pink champagne and then I shit my toe all over the pavement. It was bad. <laughs> oh Meg, I'm so sorry. You should see a medical professional. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.